0: straight to your phone, free, every day, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. When you understand something well, be able to explain it in as few words as possible. Stayallday.com. exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has, it relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. You are now tuned in to the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get to use those personal initiative, which is the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. Then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, and techniques all underneath the umbrella of one unifying philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. In today's topic, we're going to talk about how clear thinking leads to clear communication, why this matters, and then what you should do about it. Now, before we get into that, let me tell you about it. I have a daily motivation text message that I send out free of charge. Everyone who's in my text, Community, you can get into the community for free and get this daily motivation every single day because of it by going and go actually going to your text app on your phone right now and just sending a text to this number 305 384 6894. And every day when I send out the daily motivation, since you're in the community, you'll be getting that text. You can even respond to any one of those texts and start a dialogue directly with me. I do take time every day and go through and respond to some of my messages. So text me at that number. And to get started in my 30 days to discipline course, which I know a lot of people who listen to the show needs, people tell me that one of their biggest challenges, one of the biggest challenges I hear the most often is consistency and discipline and follow through. Usually people tell me something along those lines is their biggest challenge. I created a 30 day to discipline course. I mean, it's pretty simple within one month, You'll be following through on the things you start. You can stop leaving things half done and undone, and actually rebuild that trust in yourself that you once had by going to workonyourgame dot com slash thirty. Workonyourgame slash thirty for the thirty days discipline course. So make sure you get started in that right now. Now into this topic of clear thinking equals clear communication. I was talking to someone recently and I was explaining my simple framework for judging the outcomes of an action. I was just basically telling them right, when I do something, I decide that this is the right thing or the wrong thing or whether I should continue or not continue, whether I should just let it go or make adjustments based on. And then I explain you know, what my framework was. And then I asked this person, OK, now that I told you how I make my decisions on moving forward on something, you tell me how you make your decisions. And by the way, the way I make it, it, it's based on the situation. So if I'm doing something like to give you an example, if I'm running an advertisement, how do I know if I should keep running an ad, i.e. spending money to send people to look at my Web page or whatever I'm selling or if I should stop or I should make an adjustment to the ad? Should I create a new ad? Should I run a different campaign? Should I find a different audience? how do I know if I should keep going or not? I judge by simply looking at how much money did I spend on the ad versus how much money was generated from the sales. And I might look further down the funnel as well. So it might not just be upfront. So just because I spent, let's say $100 on ads, but my upfront, the first page that I sent people to only made $50 does not necessarily mean that I shouldn't run the ad because I might make more money on the back end from people later on. So you have to know your numbers. You got to know your data and what you're actually looking at. And however you're making a decision, any rubric used for decision making, make sure you're not just looking at the surface level information, but also and not just the first order consequences, meaning the first thing that people do, but also the second, third, fourth and fifth things that people do so that you have a clear picture of exactly how things are going. So this is what I was explaining to a person. I was talking to them and then I turn around and ask them, okay, so when you need to make a decision about something, how do you decide if you should Yes or no. How do you decide? Keep going or stop? How do you decide? No, push forward or quit. How do you make this decision when you are judging the outcomes of your own action? And this person insisted on before they answered the question, they insisted that they needed to explain to me kind of like a backstory of everything before they actually gave the answer. I interrupted them when they started giving their backstory. And I said, well, listen, skip the story and just give me the answer. If I need the story, then I'll ask you about the story later. And this person, well, they basically refused to. They said, I have to tell you the story. I have to tell you the story before I get to my question, because I suspect, here's my suspicion, the reason why this person wanted to tell their story. And I've been taking questions from people for decades now. And this often happens that when I ask somebody a question or they come to me with a question. They insist on telling a story before they actually ask the question. And the reason for this and many times I've been right about this, is that people simply don't have a framework for judging their own actions or a framework for making decisions. So they feel like they need to tell a story because they think the story is going to you know, fill in the gaps that are missing from their lack of framework or lack of system, when the truth is it actually does not. So today I'm going to explain to you, because I got to thinking about this overall point when this happened, and I'm going to explain to you why you need to get really clear on your thinking and the way that you are making decisions and the way that you judge things, whether it's from yourself or anyone else, so that you can communicate things more clearly and understand that the longer you take to communicate a point, the less chance is actually going to get through to another person because many people simply are not going to give you the time of day to listen to your entire story before you get to whatever the point. Happens to be, there are very few people going to sit and just listen to your story just because. And also, the longer it takes you and the more different roads you need to go down and the, the long, winding paths you need to take in order to explain a point, it is communicating that maybe you don't understand it as well as you think you do. Now, when you understand something pretty clearly, you can explain it pretty clearly and pretty succinctly and pretty simply and using the skill of brevity, which I talked about. And I believe that was episode 1738. But let me make sure I'm giving you the right episode where I talked about brevity. yes, so 1738, the skill of making your point without talking too much. And many of you, when you are making your point, you are talking too much. So let's get into this, why your thinking actually can support your brevity. Let's get into it. Point number one, topic once again is clear thinking equals clear communication. When your thinking on a subject is clear, you can explain that subject clearly and succinctly, like I just said. You don't need to frame a situation with a story if you can clearly explain it. You don't need to give a long explanation when you clearly understand it. Now, I'm not saying that your story may not be wanted. Maybe somebody does want to hear the story, but oftentimes people don't. Maybe your story will help people understand why the answer that you give is the answer that you give. But unless somebody's asking for the story, you don't need to tell the story. Sometimes, many times, often, as a matter of fact, people just want. The answer. They just want the information. They don't need the story. That story can help in certain instances, but a lot of times people don't want it. Now, to give you an example of a time when somebody does want the story, let's say I'm giving a keynote speech, and I'm giving a speech about the third day. I'm talking about the third day. Yes, I will tell some stories around where the concept came from because it, it kind of becomes the glue that helps people remember it. And at the same time, a keynote speech, for those of you who have ever given one or witnessed one, keynote speech is a performance. So in a performance, yes, people want the story. They want all the bells and whistles and extras. But if somebody's just asking me, well, what's the third day about? If I just meet somebody and they say, well, Dre, actually, as a matter of fact, I was talking to my uncle last week from when I'm recording this. And he said, well, what's the latest book that you wrote? And I said, my last book was called The Third Day. And he said, what's the third day about? And he didn't. I didn't need to tell him the story. I didn't say, hey, let me tell you the story before I tell you what the book is about. I answered his question in one sentence. I said, The third day is about how you show up and give your best effort when you least feel like it. And he said, oh, you know what? That's actually good. You know what? A lot of athletes need that. A lot of business people need that. He's a business guy. So he said, a lot of business people need that. And he knows somebody who's a basketball coach. He said, I know somebody who's a basketball coach. Their players will probably need something like that. So you see how I explained the proposition of what the third day is about in one sentence, but I also wrote a whole book about it. So there's times where you tell the whole story and there's times where you just give the point point. and you need to understand the difference between the two. And here's the point. Most of the time, people don't want the whole story. All right. How many people do you know sit and read a whole book but how many people can listen to one sentence? All right, think about that. So a story can help, of course, but the explanation, when the explanation is strong enough, it should be able to stand on its own sans story. Sans means without, without the story. There's a principle called Ocam's razor that states, if I put it in really simple terms, that the simplest explanation for a situation or occurrence is usually the most accurate explanation. It's not always true, but it is often true. There's a lot more wordiness to the explanation of that principle, if you want to look it up, it's called OCam's Razor, O-C-C-A-M. You can look it up and read about it if you want. But what I just told you is simple enough for you to understand it. The whole point is when you understand something well, be able to explain it in as few words as possible. Point number two, today's topic, once again, is clear thinking leads to clear communication. Number two, I have talked about how critical thinking is in high demand but low supply these days. And this has been going on for a while. This is in eight episodes, 1826 and 1827, because basic regular thinking is basically in the same situation is in high demand, but low supply. The Internet has done us some great things, such as providing us access to 99 percent of the available information that anybody could ever need or want. Yet, despite the fact that we have access to all of this information many people still don't take the time to do their own thinking. And actually, this is kind of something that we could indirectly put on the internet for causing this problem because people have access to so much information. Now we subconsciously can believe, well, I don't need to do that much thinking because I can just go on the internet and get access to whatever information you think you need. The problem is people never actually go and access the information. They just believe because they could access it, that that means it's okay. It's kind of like a person who's out of shape. They live next door to a gym. Well, the gym is right next door. So if I ever really need to get in shape, I can just go next door to the gym. But because they believe it's so available, they never actually do it. And then they die of heart disease because they never actually took the action because it was so closely available to them that they took it for granted that it would still require a little bit of effort. And it's the same thing that's happening with thinking. We have access to 99 percent of information within arm's reach, literal arm's reach through our smartphones all day, every day. And because we have such close access and proximity to information, if we were to go and access it and actually do something with it, we take for granted the fact that it's so close and easy to access. And then many people never do it, which causes people to think less than back before we had the smartphones. And we did have to actually do some real thinking and put in real effort to get information. Back then, people had more information and were smarter then than they are now, simply because the device makes us believe that we don't have to do any other work. Back then, we knew we had to do the work because we didn't have a device that did the work for us. Now we think we don't have to do the work, and then we don't do it. And then we don't access the information on the device either. So it actually, the smartphone has actually made us dumber. So it's kind of an oxymoron that is even called a smartphone because actually the more somebody uses it, the stupider they get because they stop using their brains as much. This has actually been proven scientifically that they say that when people who use the, do things like using the GPS for directions to a place where you know exactly where it is, you've driven there a hundred times already, but you still turn on the GPS. And again, there's sometimes it can make sense. I actually do it myself sometimes because I'm like, well, maybe it might be a detour or there might be some kind of traffic situation. But even then, that's still a BS excuse that we come up with just to use the GPS because we become so tethered to it that if there is a detour or some kind of traffic situation, I think we'd be able to figure it out if we needed to. Wouldn't we? I mean, those of you who are over the age of 30. Do you remember how you would leave your house without a smartphone? Can okay, you believe it or not? And you would go around and go to places and you would make it home and you wouldn't get lost and you wouldn't know end up abducted by some strangers and tied up in a basement. But we all made it around life without smartphones. Do you believe there was a time that that actually happened? Yes, of course it was. Now, some of you lived an entire adulthood like that before the smartphones came around. People who are older than us did exactly that. And scientifically, it's been proven that the more people use the devices to do normal, everyday things that they should be able to do in their heads, it actually, what it does is, is it deactivates many of the synapses in our brains. In other words, our brains stop being as active as they would be because the smartphone has replaced thinking. This is something that I tell entrepreneurs this often. Whenever I'm talking to entrepreneurs about anything that is numbers related, when we're talking about data or money or prices or stats or anything like that. I like to challenge myself to do mental math and I tell entrepreneurs, you should be able to calculate in your mind, you should be able to calculate in your head how many people need to buy your product at X price in order for you to make X amount of dollars. You shouldn't need to pull out your calculator to do that. You need to be able to do that as a mental math, you need to be able to do it for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's your business. So you should understand it like the back of your hand. And number two, it'll keep your mind sharp. So this is something that many of you need to do. Maybe try next time you get in your car, don't turn on the GPS and just start driving and see if you can get to the place that you've been to 25 times already without looking at the map that you probably would be able to do it. I think most of us are able to do it. And the thing is, again, we become so addicted to the smartphone. It's not that we need the directions or that we need the calculator. It's just that why use our brains when we can just use this device and let it think for us. And i just explained to you why. Because it's turning off certain firing actions in your brain, they are slowly dying out and they're not being used. And we all know what happens. We all know the concept of atrophy, right? If you don't use it, you lose it. And it works the exact same way with your muscles as it does with your brain, as it works with everything else in life, relationships and everything else in between. So make sure that you're not deactivating your brain by not using it, in other words. So regular thinking is in High demand, but low supply because the Internet has provided us all this information and has caused many people to stop thinking. One reason why I can clearly communicate the points that I make here on this show is because I have thought through the points on my own long before I ever turn on the microphone and start recording. And some of the things that I talk about are in notations and as I'm recording that I can see. And other things kind of just come to me while I'm talking. So everything I was just telling you about the smartphone and the GPS and the directions and our brains turned off is not in my notes, but it comes to me while I'm talking because it's something that I've heard. Is I've read it. I've talked about it myself. i talked to myself about it. I've thought about it. So by the time it comes out of my mouth when I'm speaking it, it's not the first time the thought has come to me. It's just the first time I'm recording it for you. So I'm not just thinking of things at the moment that you are hearing me say them. I'm not doing this. I don't record the show kind of off the top of my head, so to speak, even though not everything I say is in my notes. I would say about half of what I say is in notes and half of it is not. Some people are so good that they actually can do that. They're a little bit better than me that they can just turn on the mic and start talking. I heard that this guy named Seth Godin, he records his show. His episode is probably not as long as mine and definitely not as numerous as mine, but he says that he records all his stuff. He just turns on the microphone and just starts talking and his stuff comes out as it does. So. Seth is a little bit smarter than me. Since he's smarter than me, I got to work a little bit harder and do my thinking ahead of time. So that's why my communication can be so crisp and clear, because I've worked on this way before I showed up here. As I tell you, professionals usually are prepared ahead of time for the situation. They don't just show up at the situation and do it off the top, unless they happen to be as, as talented as, let's say, Seth, if that is actually true. And I think I heard him say it, and then they can get away with it. Everybody else, we got to do a little bit more work. Point number three. Today's topic, once again, is clear thinking leads to clear communication. Number three, if you find yourself needing to tell a story or to tell your story before answering or asking a question, and this happens a lot when I'm talking to people that they feel like they got to tell a story before they ask their question. Here's the truth. You probably are not clear on either the answer or the question if you feel you need to tell a story first, because the question is still going to be the question regardless of your story. In the years that I was dealing with majority basketball players. Every basketball player who came to me with a question felt like they needed to tell me a story before they asked their question. They need to tell me about their particular situation. I was on this team and the coach did this and my parents said this and the players gave me the ball this much and I got this injury and I went to this school and I'm trying to get on this and I see myself doing that. I had so many players write me whole blog posts about their lives and then they got to the question and many times they wouldn't even get to the question. I can't tell you how many times I replied to an email or a DM or a private message that I got from a basketball player. And I wrote them back and said, OK, what is the question? Because there were actually no question marks in the entire email that they sent me. They write me five paragraphs. And there are no questions in it. They just told me their situation. They framed it as I have a question, but they never actually asked the question. So many times I had to say to them, OK, what exactly is the question? And then they were right back and it'd be like one sentence. I might like, see you could have skipped the five paragraphs and went straight to that. And I got smart probably about five years into you know, once I started to get emails from basketball players and when they wrote me these long emails, I would just write back and say, tell me the question. I wouldn't even read what they wrote. I was so if any of you wrote me a very long email with your whole life story, any time between, let's say, 2009 and 2015, I did not read it. I just wrote you back and said, tell me the question. If there is one, tell me what the question is, leave out the story. And then I got to the point where I started saying to people before they even asked the question, if somebody wrote me and said, Drake, can I ask you a question? I would say, yes, and keep it short. I said, start saying that, keep it short. And it, they cut off 99% of the problem. So that was a good little tip there for any of you who get those kind of questions from people. Just keep it short, leave out the story, just go straight to the question. It happens a lot when I communicate with people who want to ask me a question, that them not knowing what exactly their question is. When people want to ask a question about their particular situation, because everybody believes, and this is something that applies in the business world as well as in the sports world and you know, everywhere in between. And those of you who are in the expert space in anything you do. I don't care if you're in finance, if you're in coaching, if you're in relationships, if you're in sports, if you're any form of business where people are coming to you for specific advice to solve their particular problem. Everybody thinks their situation is so different from everyone else's. Everybody thinks their their situation is just so specific and so unique and so different. I used to think incorrectly that this was limited to teenagers. I used to think, okay, I got a whole bunch of people in my audience in 18 to 24 demographic, the basketball players, so they all think their situation is unique. But as an adult, now I am in programs, I have hired coaches, I go to events. I see these things and I notice that even grown adults, 35, 45, 75 years old, everybody thinks their situation is so unique and so different that they can't fit into the framework or the system that is being taught because they think their situation is so different that they got to tell their story before they get to their question. And it's it's very annoying when you're in the audience. It's less annoying when you're on the stage because you can just cut people off and say, all right, get to the point. But when you're in the audience and you have to listen to people tell their whole story before they actually get to the point, you want to just stand up and say, well, you shut the hell up with the story and just ask the damn question. I want to do that. Maybe one day I will and I'll get you know, kicked out of an event and I could do a podcast episode about that. The many people insist on telling their life story before asking the question when a life story has really no effect on what the answer to the question is going to be. Let me say that again. Any of you who feels like you need to tell your story before you ask a question, understand that your story will have no effect on the answer to the question. So if you just skip the story and just ask the question, you would get the same answer whether you had told your story or not. This is just the narcissistic part of human beings that we just want to talk about ourselves, even though it is not always, many times, it is not needed. I noticed this not just with me, but again, anybody who takes questions from people about their situations, everybody wants to tell a story. And I noticed that people do this either when they don't know the subject well in terms of the question. Or they do know the subject or answer, but the answer is maybe undesirable for them. So they want to muddy it up and run some interference by telling a story that confuses you and throws you off the scent of the actual truth of the situation. I notice this often too. It makes me laugh because I can decipher it. I can notice it when people are doing it. Many of the hot topics in society today, you'll notice that there is one side of a conversation who has a plain and simple answer to whatever the situation. There's another side who has a convoluted answer. Convoluted answer is when somebody uses 10 words to say what they could easily have said in two words. And they need to frame every answer with a story instead of just giving the answer. And why do people do this? Now, understand that sometimes there's another reason here, because I told you one reason is sometimes people just don't understand what the question or the answer is. And so they don't want to just say it out loud because they don't know. And they don't want to you know let their ignorance be on full display so plainly. So they muddy it up by telling the story or they do know the answer. But they don't want to say the answer directly because it will kind of convict them in some way. They don't want to say the answer exactly as it is because it might go against the overall point that they're trying to make, or it may go against the premise that they have already declared, or it may go against the thesis that they're trying to prove if they just say directly the answer. So they muddy it up by giving you 10 words when they could have answered the question in two words. All right. And we see this happening often in many subjects these days, I'll give you an example in a second. This is all designed to confuse people and to insert doubt and confusion into the mind of a listener while the speaker is sneaking in the truth of the answer. They sneak in the truth and they hide it amongst so many words that you get confused that you don't actually hear what they said. So for example, if I ask you, name the individual who can give birth to another human. Most of you would answer by saying, well, a woman or a girl or a female. Anyone who knows an acceptable answer, woman, girl, female, A female human being is the only species that we know who is capable of giving birth to another human. All right. Everybody agrees with that. I think most of us do. But somebody might say, instead of saying a woman or a female or a girl, they'll say something like a human capable of giving birth. One, two, three, four, five, six words instead of one word. See what I mean? This is what people do when they're trying to confuse you. They try to confuse you with all the bullshit and kind of cloud your mind because you're hearing all those words. And while you're trying to make sense of the words, they kind of get out of there like a thief in the night because they just confuse you with BS and all the added stuff that they added to. It. And it's the same thing people do when they add a story to actually giving an answer instead of just giving an answer exactly as it is. And these people who do this, they say something like a human capable of giving birth or whatever other phrases people are trying to use. This is done by people who are really smart. See, they're smart enough to understand that they start changing around the language and they confuse enough people with all the wordplay. And these people are usually pretty good with their words. They confuse enough people with the wordplay. They can sneak in a new idea and new beliefs underneath the confusion that they put into the minds of the masses. But this is a whole game that they're playing. But as long as I have something to say say about it, we're going to keep calling them out on the BS. All that said, let's recap today's class, which is clear thinking equals clear communication. Point number one, When your thinking on a subject is clear, you can explain it clearly and succinctly. This is the principle of brevity. Do not use 10 words when two words will do. Point number two, talked about how critical thinking is in high demand, but in low supply and just basic regular thinking, just simplistic thinking is in the same situation. High demand, but low supply. The Internet has provided us access to a ton of information because of this. A lot of people's brains are slowly getting turned off. The smartphone is actually making all of us dumber. The phone is getting smarter, but humans are getting stupider. Number three, if you find yourself needing to tell a story before answering or asking a question, you may not clearly know the answer to the question, or you may know it directly, 100% know it, but you're trying to muddy up the water to confuse a bunch of people. So you use 10 words when you could have used two. And this is done by really smart people. And then there are people who are completely clueless who use it because they do not actually know the answer or don't understand the question that they're trying to ask. So you, listener, had to be the critical thinker who can understand which one are you looking at or listening to when it happens, because this happens often two things for you to do now. Text me to get my daily motivation straight to your phone every day. My number is 305-384-6894 and go to workonyourgame.com slash 30 to get started in my 30 Days to Discipline course, which does exactly what the title says. Work on your game. The Dre all day.